looking today at the story of the widow's offering. So our Bible reading is taken from Mark chapter 12, verses 38 to 44. Um, I'll give you a few moments if you want to look at that in your pew Bibles, um, or it will be on the screen. So Mark 12, 38 to 44. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in their flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue and the places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such people will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. It's really interesting um, how when God wants to say something, he makes it very, very clear. Um, For some of you, you would have attended the prayer night that myself and Claire put on. When did we do that? Just before Christmas? So mid-December. And when we were planning that prayer night, Claire had this image of what is it that each of us could give, that small amount that's in the palm of our hands. A few weeks ago, on Sam's last Sunday, without knowing any of this, because he was busy looking after some of the teenagers and and young um, children in the hall when the prayer service went on, he came up with a message that talked about what can we give that small amount that is in the palm of our hands. And today, we have a reading of a woman. She had two small coins and they fitted in the palm of her hands. And so we really feel that God is saying to us right now, what is it that we have in the palm of our hands? And I really want you to think about that today. As Claire's already said, that we really feel that this season, it will be something brilliant, but it won't be what it was before. And we can look at this idea of bringing in a youth pastor, a children's worker, which we will talk a bit more um, in a few moments. But actually, I want to acknowledge that it starts here with us. It's actually already started. Um, Since December, we have had a few new people that have joined both the children and youth serving teams, which has been absolutely fantastic. And it starts with, what is that small amount that they felt they could bring and serve with? It's not about waiting for something to come. It's about starting here with us today. 
And sometimes we can think that's not much. Um, my youngest, Savannah, she's six, and she loves having coins. She doesn't matter what value they are, but she loves having coins. And she loves pennies the most because she has the most of them. The problem I have is every single time she wants to go shopping and she comes down with a purse full of two peas and one peas, I have to break her heart and make her aware that she can't actually buy much with that. Um, but the message is the opposite today. Um, it's the thing that you might think two coins that that widow had was not much. And as I was thinking about this, the Bible is full of people not having much. Sometimes we don't think we have anything at all. But I want to go through a few quick stories of you. David and Goliath. David had a slingshot. A slingshot? Not much? Mary, Mary Magdalene, she had a bottle of perfume. We had a boy who had five loaves and two fish. There was a woman at a well who had a bit of oil and flour to make, one loaf of bread. And here we've got a widow that had two coins. If you think about those items on their own, they are not much. Probably can't do much with them. But it's not about what we have to give. It's what God can do with those small offerings. With David and his slingshot, he defeated the Philistine army. With a bottle of perfume, Mary cleaned Jesus' feet and received restoration. With five loaves and two fish, that little boy gave all he had for lunch, and Jesus was able to feed 5,000 people. With ingredients for one more meal that she gave up to Elijah, she received food for days and days to come to feed her family. And I'm guessing with these two coins, that woman's heart received salvation. See, the funny thing is, God doesn't even need those small friends in the first place. It's God's church. He doesn't need our money. He's not broke. You know, he doesn't need us to come and give everything so he can do this amazing thing. He could do it all by himself. But he wants to gather us and he wants to include us. And I think that's the real message behind it all. And that's why it doesn't matter what we've got in the palm of our hands. Because God just wants to say, come and do it with me. He is a relational God. He's not distant. And he uses that small part to be part of the plan, to do amazing things with it. He's not asking us for a 50-50 split. He's not asking us to figure out a solution. He's just saying, come with that small mount in the palm of your hands. I once heard a story that really has always stuck with me since I was a teenager, and I can see it a lot more truth in it nowadays since being a parent. But it was this man who was talking about himself as a father, and he was um, laying a new patio outside the front of his house, um, able to do it, had all of the, the materials to do it with, and his young toddler <laughs> comes along and says, Daddy, can I help? And he let him. Now, it took him a heck of a lot of time longer, probably double the amount of time. I'm sure there were a few errors that that dad had to correct, that the toddler made. I'm sure it was a bit rough and ready around the corner. 
But actually, his point was, I could have easily done it by myself. But what would that have given my child? So coming with that small amount means actually that God can say, it's my church, but I want to involve you as my children, and I want to include you in what I've got to to do in this next season. But the story, I think, tells us a bit more. Because this particular widow gave all that she had, and I'm not asking you to give all of that you had today, because that's not the point. The point is that she gave all of that she could because she wanted to give her heart to Jesus. She wanted to give all that she was to Jesus. And when we're in a situation like this where we can allow fear to come in, um, we can sometimes often feel reluctant to give as well because we want to hold on to everything. We want to hold on to what we've got for dear might in case we lose that as well. Because it's so hard when things change that we want to hold on to things. But actually, by giving that small amount that we have, just like the widow did, she gave herself. She said to Jesus, do you know what? I trust you. This is all that I have, but I trust you. I've got confidence in you that you will take care of me. And so coming with that small amount, with our hearts in the right place, it allows giving to become a privilege. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 7 says, each of us should give what we have decided in our hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And for us as a church, we have many passions, loves, joys, and our unified love and passion is in Jesus Christ who brings us salvation. And I don't think for a second that this next season that St. Michael's is going to, for any moment God wants us to feel burdened, wants us to feel heavy-hearted, but he does want to move us, just like he moved us in these chairs. He doesn't want us to sit still and wait for something to go back to how it was or for the change to happen around us. But it does start with what is that small portion that we have in our hearts that we can give to him today. By giving our portion wholeheartedly, joyfully and not holding back, he meets us and gives us just what we need. For he himself is our hope, our help and our refuge. And I think we wanted to start with that message today before we talk about the practicalities of what's coming next. Um, Because it is about this whole congregation here. Actually, if 10% of the congregation stood up today to serve in a new way, that would be a dramatic help and a dramatic change of what we could do, not just for our youth and children, but for the new services that are coming up as well. So I'm gonna hand you over to Claire who's just going to talk a bit more about how we can actually practically serve with ourselves in the church. Thank you, Sarah. So we are looking at giving in different ways, and one of those is giving of your time and serving. And like we've mentioned, we have a really committed group of individuals that are already serving for our Sunday club, 
for our youth, and they are fantastic. But we have certain ratios that we have to meet in terms of safeguarding. And if some of those key members are away on holiday, if they're unwell, if they've got a last minute emergency, we're running at a sort of minimum, and that can actually mean that certain Sundays some of those groups will not be able to run. So I think if at all possible, it doesn't have to be you sign your life away, you're out there every Sunday, but if people have got that capacity to say two Sundays a year, I could go out and help, possibly more. That is one way. Um, also just serving at home, you know, as parents, if we are thinking about our children's faith and the formation of that during that, this season, that might be a response that we have is thinking about reading the Bible with them, praying with them, modeling our faith to them. That's another response that you might be feeling. I'm just gonna dive into a bit of explanation about what as a church we have decided in this period of vacancy in our staff. We have made a decision, we went from a full-time children's and families worker to end a part-time youth, part-time worship minister to now we are looking at advertising for a full-time youth pastor and I'd like to dive into what that means and what our thinking is along those lines. So you will have received a letter at the start of the year from Tom and in that letter he said my hope and prayer over the next years is to see a thriving generation of young people following Christ and breathing new life into the church and these are the ages these sort of formative years where moving from childhood into becoming young adults, youth, they're establishing their independence. They are really crucial years for development of faith. It's not just their parents bringing them along. They have to want to be here. In the next two to three years, based on the age ranges we now see in our Sunday club, we are gonna have 30 of our Sunday club moving into our youth program. And I really think we need to pause and reflect on that. Added to who, the numbers we already have in our youth, we're looking at 40 plus. And if you stop and think about that, in the Church of England, that is the numbers that most churches expect for a congregation on a Sunday morning. Most vicars, stipendary vicars, are looking after 40 adults. So I think we need a little shift in the way we're looking at this, we are looking at a youth congregation. That youth congregation is going to need a minister. We can't just have someone who is organizing rotors and is gonna be a sort of admin. That needs a minister, that's a congregation. Especially given all the challenges that that stage of life has, um, and especially in the world that we live in now. I think all of us are able to say Youth today are facing things that none of us faced at that age. So it is also just a natural follow-on from what we decided to do seven years ago when we employed Teresa. She did her job. We've got a thriving children's work. But in that same way as that Sunday club moves into the youth, we need to resource it. We need to invest in it. And it, if we don't, that is the age that most people will drift away. So it's exciting. That is something that financially we're able to do straight away is to advertise for that youth pastor role. 
and we're really excited about that. Um, just thinking, we'll talk a little bit about our finances in terms of children's and families work. I'm going to leave that to Sarah to flesh that out a little bit. But Sarah and I are also going to be available at the end of the service. We're going to be in the welcome corner if you've got any questions. But also, I'd love to just throw out that offer again to parents and say, even if you can just do one Sunday, we're going to have a little sign-up sheet at the back all the Sundays in the, this coming year. If you can put your name down against one or two, even if just the parents did that, we would have this covered. But of course, if you're not a parent, you're very welcome to as well. So that's something to consider. Um, we're so grateful. I know we've said this statistic many times, but the average number of children or youth in a Church of England church is one. So if we think back to who we saw on the stage at the beginning of our service, let's not shift into the mindset that these are just challenges. This is a privilege. Our prayer is that the Lord is raising up a generation that have heard his voice from a very young age, and as they step into a challenging season, we are right there with them, and we are supporting them, and we are resourcing them. So I just want to thank everybody for your prayers and your support in doing that. Okay, so moving on to our children's and families' worker. So as Tom said in his letter, I'm just going to read an extract from it, our ability to pay for staff and the running costs of St. Michael's is completely reliant on the giving of our church. Due to an increase in costs and reduction in regular giving, we financially aren't in the same position we were in this time last year. And that might be one of the questions that has come up as why are we not replacing like for like? And unfortunately, that is the situation that we are in. Um, we would love more than anything to have a youth pastor come in and a full-time children's and families worker come in as well. And that is our aim. We believe that not for a moment our God is a God that is going to say, okay, deal with them all yourself now. Um, he's going to provide for us. But again, it starts with us. Um, but I think it's also important to remember, and this is the same with the youth pastor role, they are not going to be replicas. Sam and Teresa were Sam and Teresa. And they were individuals. And they brought individual things, individual skills, individual abilities to that role. So whoever does come in, it may look different and it will be different because they are different people. Um, but we would love to be able to start recruiting for a children's worker, um, ideally end of Feb, but that is dependent on our finances. Um, so the advert for the youth pastor role is going out this week. Am I allowed to say that? I've said it too late. It is going, <laughs> it is going out this week. Um, but as I said already, it does depend on our financial giving. So Tom gave the stat that if 100 members of our congregation gave an extra £25 a month, um, we could afford to appoint a full-time children's and families youth. Um, and there are lots of flexibilities in that. So if we raise less money, then there is the option of a part-time 
um, worker that maybe focuses on the Sunday coordination. But again, looking at the congregation of children that we had, we want someone full-time who can really minister to them and look after them. Um, so it's something to consider. Now, there may be some of you out there that can't give anything. There may be some of you out there that can give abundance. But I think the key in this is remembering that we're not in it in our own. I'm not here to raise a full, full-time salary for one person. We're all here together. We are a body that can support each other in that. Some of us will step up and give our time. Some of us will do more at home. Some of us will be able to give financially. But I think it's coming back and seeing what is it that we can give right now. We have had someone who has wonderfully offered to give a £5,000 match funding donation. Um, and what that means is they will match us raising £5,000, which is fantastic. And maybe that takes the light off the load off a bit for us and makes it feel a bit lighter because maybe you can only give £12 extra a month or £6 extra a month. That's already doubled by someone giving that generous £5,000 donation. So again, we're not in this by ourselves. Um, and I think whatever we can give, I'm not putting any pressure on anyone. Please don't go away. Again, feeling a heavy heart today. It's just saying, what can I give in this season of change? And I'd love for Claire to finish with a story that she shared at the prayer night, um, which is just a wonderful illustration of what God can do with the little that we give. Just to add on to what Sarah was mentioning there, I think we're going to have a rough time frame on this. 